Hi, everybody. Jose Palomino with another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. And today's guest is TJ Murphy. And TJ is CEO of Height Digital. And we're going to talk about what's going on right now in the world of digital marketing. What are some key things you should be thinking about if you're the owner, leader, CEO of a small to mid-market firm that's looking to to leverage digital marketing to create more opportunities. What are some of the things you should be thinking about? What are some of the things that maybe were true before that are no longer true that you should know so that you can move forward with confidence in a critical uh, part of just about every business today? So sit tight as we welcome TJ Murphy to our show. Welcome TJ to Business Growth on Purpose. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jose. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So TJ, for our audience, just tell us what you do and who you do it for. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'm an adventure seeker, a traveler, and the owner of Height Digital here in beautiful Bend, Oregon. We are an ROI-focused creative and marketing agency. And in a nutshell, I serve as a guide, leading business owners to well, through all of the noise and shiny objects that are out there in the, the digital world right now to the right solutions to attract more of their ideal customers. But at the end of the day, knowing what to do is really only half the battle, right? So that's why we help develop the right system, but then provide one integrated team to actually manage all of the web branding and customer acquisition needs. So our clients can actually focus more on what they do best, providing an amazing experience or a service for their customers. Well, I love the language you use there, though, about being a guide, right? And it seems like, you know, clearly maybe on the nose, but it seems tied very tightly to your adventure-seeking background, right? So can we just take a few minutes on that? Because that always fascinates me, especially the last couple of years where traveling probably wasn't so easy, um, you know, because of restrictions and so on. But just what led you to that and, and what have been some interesting things you've done? Yeah, so... When my wife and I graduated from college, we moved down to the Bay Area and it didn't take too long for us to realize we didn't really like living in the city and the corporate jobs we had landed in right out of college were not the direction we were trying to go long term. So we decided we were going to save up, quit those jobs, sell off a bunch of our belongings, and we bought one-way tickets to Southeast Asia. And that turned into a 14-month backpacking adventure Meanwhile, I'm getting bombarded with all these digital nomad ads, start your marketing agency, mm -hmm. Ty Lopez, all of that. And so I was pretty intrigued and I got into it. I bought some courses, I studied, I learned a lot and ultimately started my agency, my first agency while we were overseas traveling. And I've been growing it ever since. And now my wife and I, our biggest thing is working hard so that we can go and, and travel and, and visit our friends and live a well-rounded life. Wow. That's a, that, that is exciting. That's definitely, and don't take this the wrong way. It's definitely a young person thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I hear that a lot. No, no doubt well, about you it. Know, like, like I'm an empty nester now, just this last uh, couple of weeks, my, my youngest finally is off to college. Right. So, and when I think about traveling, so I am not thinking backpacking. I'm thinking the four seasons. <laughs> you know, that's... We like to do both. You know, there's okay. there's a balance there. Sometimes even when we're backpacking, we'll search for a week and go stay at a at a nice resort. Okay. We actually just well, did that in Costa Rica. So. That's good. Yeah, but the roughing it thing it, it doesn't appeal to me at this stage in my life. Not okay. so much. Understandable. Comfy bed and a pillow is a great thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's very much a good thing. So. 
So, so let's just go back a little bit to that guide idea, right? Because I, I think you hit on something that's really um, of critical importance, especially in the small to mid market, right? So companies that, that cannot afford to have a true chief marketing officer, they may have a young person they took out of college and they say, well, that's my, that's the, that's uh, the marketing kid, you know, doing that. And they think that that covers their nephew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and trust me, I've, I've dealt with that very thing because, you know, my focus is always like more like big picture strategy. What, what, what do you really want to do to grow your business? All the execution steps though are many and most owners are ill-equipped to process that. So they end up hiring pieces. They have a PPC firm, they have an SEO firm, they have this kind of PR marketing person kind of yeah. thing, and maybe a trade show thing going on if they're like an industrial category. So they have a lot of pieces. And if they rolled it all together, actually spending a good amount of money and they have no idea, like in the old days with like trade shows, people wouldn't give up their booth because they were afraid people won't know we're in business. I said, there's a thing called the web. They'll know you're in business. <laughs> It may, you know, you're spending 50 grand a year for a trade show that's never giving you any business. Yeah. It's okay to let it go. So that guide idea that you described, I think is really interesting as a stance to say, we need to help people understand their options. So what, when you start engaging with an owner, what kinds of things do you find that you have to like kind of course correct assumptions, beliefs? I'm, I'm just curious what you're finding is think that people really need to be yeah more knowledgeable about? No, I mean, it's a great question. And you kind of hit on the biggest thing that we see, you know, more often than not, like you said, they've got somebody doing their Facebook ads over here or their PPC. They've got an SEO team. They've got a contractor in India doing their website. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently, but then you're becoming a project manager most of the mm -hmm. time. And you're trying to wrangle all these different vendors and trying to get them to play nice and actually create synergy with all your marketing. Because at the end of the day, to be successful, all of your marketing should be working in unison and be integrated. And if you're having all these different people that aren't in daily communication or at least frequent communication with each other and understanding how each channel can affect and work collectively together to achieve a common goal, that's a big hurdle to overcome. And honestly, a, a pretty hard upward battle. So something that we usually try to do is integrate as much of that as possible. And with Height, the beauty is that we're able to take all of that under one team through our company. So we can handle the website and the web maintenance. We can handle the SEO and the brand messaging and the graphic design and overall branding of the company all the way through to PPC and social media. So instead of having all those different players, you've got one team working at one office together to achieve that common goal. Right. So, so then for the owner looking at, you know, saying, okay, well, that sounds good integrated, but, but I also let's, let me just counter kind of argue that yeah, please. But I want to hire the best of every category. I want the, the, you know, and so on. So there's that belief, but, but you hit on the, the challenge with all of that is, are you ready to project manage all these marketing related activities? Do you have like, do you even know how to hold an SEO firm accountable? Yeah. Because, Do you, you know, know what to look for at the end of the day. Right. And, and, and I've been in so many meetings because, you know, again, we don't do that. So we work with firms that do on behalf of our clients. And inevitably, the first three or four months of, of status meetings, we get the 40 page report of unintelligible data that the owner's going and they'll ask me, Jose, what does this mean? <laughs> what does it mean? 
And, and, and I have to re-educate these firms to, to, to tell them, listen, that stuff is great. And it's good. Maybe I wouldn't mind seeing that occasionally just to make sure that you're sticking to the knitting doing that. But, but we're looking, what are your big objectives? What are you trying to do? So my question to you is when you work with an owner, what, what are the things that you think they most want to get out of this? They don't want to look, they don't want an education in SEO and PPC. No, they don't want to be the expert. What, okay. what they most commonly what they want is somebody that is going to be their main point of contact, somebody that they can build a relationship long-term or have somebody on their team that they delegate that, you know, leadership role to that actually has an understanding of marketing and how everything works together to be that point person with us or with another firm that they're working with. And they don't want to have to worry about, okay, this month our project or our account manager just got switched up with this other person. And now we've kind of got to go through the whole spiel again, telling them about our business, getting acquainted, learning our communication styles. They just want somebody that they know is going to be there long-term that they can trust and that can clearly articulate what's going on. So like you said, with the 40 page report, like, yeah, we have all that data, but it's overwhelming to send that to somebody. So what we do is walk them through and actually say, okay, this is what this means. This is why we're doing what we're doing, but we're actually seeing that the data is telling us this. So we need to pivot and try this other strategy over here. We need to invest more in this PPC campaign or look at mm. this keyword and optimize this page for that. And then actually with that process, they can start to see the big picture of what we're trying to do. And over time, they do learn a lot. And some people want to be more involved than others. We're all busy, right. but having somebody that can clearly communicate and that you can trust to, to be that guide for you is, is huge. And that's a big value add. So, so TJ, you know, one thing, obviously at the time we're recording this in, uh, you know, towards the, the latter part of 2022, um, we've come out as a world, right? The whole world has come out of like this three-year kind of like misty fog yeah. uh, due to COVID, right? Things change. A lot of things are different. Still this, this kind of continued difference. In the world of marketing and digital marketing in particular, what do you see has changed because of COVID? Maybe nothing's changed or things are going to be different going forward. What, what are some of the, the assumptions your clients are having to make to be effective with digital marketing? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things is during COVID, we all have a lot to do, right? Our attentions were very focused and we had more time to focus on building a business. So there's a lot more competitors that entered the market. Some of them are now exiting because they didn't quite make it, but many did. And so we've seen an increase in competition for sure. Our consumer's attention on the B2C side, but also on the B2B side was a lot higher during COVID. So it was a little bit easier in some ways or in some industries to market to those folks. And that's going away. People are going back to their normal lives. They're a lot of cases going back into the office. So they're not working from home as much, maybe not working as much as they were. And in terms of what we need to do, we just need to be ready to pivot and, and find the right strategies to be able to reach those ideal customers where they're hanging out in line, online, at least in the digital space. Um, so that's, that's what so I do, So do you see the fact, like, for example, um, you know, there's pushback, right? So you have you know, Apple telling their employees, you got to be in the office three days a week. And then they're, they're actually, you know, sending petitions saying, we don't want to do that. Which is kind of, you know, I'm, I'm old school, man. I, I don't oh. even get that, that, uh, that whole idea that you're going to put petition for something like that, but Hey, it is what it is. So, 
from a marketing point of view, the fact that people are working from home a lot more than working in the office, does that present any different kind of challenges in terms of how you get your message across? I mean, I, I realize everybody's on a computer, in, but the context is different and kind of what that might mean. So I'm just curious, is, have you seen any need to adjust kind of messaging, frequency, access points to people because of the fact that they're not going into the cubicle at, you know, at, in, in downtown San Francisco anymore? Yeah, um, 100%. I mean, I think the biggest thing for any business is knowing exactly where your ideal customers are hanging out. What social media channels are they using? What are they searching for when they're looking for the types of services that you offer? What are they watching on YouTube? What, what media do they consume? If you can really get that granular from a marketing standpoint, that's gold for us because we know exactly where we can target them. And we can look at the types of media they consume to be able to craft the right messaging. And a big thing now that we're seeing, and it's mainly being pushed by Google, is having content for humans first, not for the algorithms. You know, for the last 10 plus years, yeah. SEO side of things, having content that's purely just to dupe the algorithm and, and having the right keywords in there and whether it's ethical or more black hat, there was a lot of stuff that created content that really wasn't all that engaging or useful for the end consumer, the person that's searching for a solution. And so Google just two weeks ago announced that they're making a huge algorithm change. That's going to completely change the landscape. A lot of websites are going to see major crashes in their rankings if they've been creating content that isn't all that useful for people. And on the flip side, people that have been focused on creating really valuable, engaging content are probably going to see a huge boost. So that's something that we've always focused on, but are now even more attentive to is humans first. If we're talking about social media, if we're talking about website content, whatever it is, it's got to be valuable. It's got to be engaging and it's got to answer the questions that people are searching for. Well, I, I love that. I mean, just because I've, again, having gone through it, you know, for my own firm and, and also just. Uh, on behalf of clients dealing with SEO firms in the past. And so much was, uh, you know, again, I don't mean like trite things like keyword stuffing and stuff, but just generally writing stuff for the algorithm. And you say, well, like, do you expect humans to actually read this article and to be motivated by it or moved by it? Or is it just to get rankings? I mean, because if, it, if, it's, if it's actually meant to be consumed by real people, then the writing has to be better. Yeah. It has to be more interesting. It has to be more on point. Now, now, there is a counter to that, which is interesting. And, and I always like to get feedback when I get somebody like you on, on the show. Uh, some of the experts say, you know, the secret to ranking is just write great content. It's like saying the secret to writing a bestseller is just write a bestseller. It's like self-referencing logic. It's not easy to do. If it were easy to do, it would be everywhere, right? So so it's, uh, you know, what one advisor, uh, I remember said, he wrote an article, he says, look for the top article in your category that you want to rank for and just write something better. And I'm thinking like, really? Like that's, it's that easy because it's not easy to write that well. Yeah. So just somebody reading that or listening to that says, well, gee, that's like too much. You know, I make, I make a, I make a grinding machine or I, we provide painting services. How are we going to do that? So how do you attack the, the need to write great content in a world which has so much content do you aim to be number one best content in the category or just good articles that answer good questions, answer intelligent questions intelligently? 
So there's a couple of things there. I mean, yeah, we need to write well. We need to look at best case examples and, you know, you don't need to reinvent the wheel always. You can take a lot of good insights from that. But if you're looking at a category where there's already really great content that's cornerstone, it's going to be hard to beat. Why try to fight something that's going to be an uphill battle? There may be other opportunities, maybe more long form keywords that you could write a similar article for and actually optimize the the article for for a different keyword, different key phrase. And that's going to have lower competition, less people searching for it, but maybe it's more niche to what your ideal customers are actually going to be searching for. So that boils down to keyword research, looking at, okay, we're obviously not going to rank for the most competitive keywords, or if we are, it's going to take a lot of time and resources. What else can we be doing to actually get traffic over to our site from people that are looking for similar phrases related to that? So that's one piece. But then going back to just, you know, looking at other content, that's not a bad strategy at all. If you can find an article that is exactly what you're trying to say, the message that you're trying to convey to your audience, and you can put your own spin on it, but then optimize it and get into the technical stuff in a better way, having that keyword density, focusing more on the headings and having the right keywords in the headings, maybe writing a longer article, having more authoritative links back to it, you may be able to get ahead. It really just depends on what that keyword is and how many people are trying to bid for it. Right. So that's that's interesting. So let's let's just take a look at also the the use of PPC to test market. Yeah. Like SEO is a slower burn, right? It takes longer. Yeah. PPC is something you could test today and know by next week whether you got some of your assumptions right. Uh, do you find that when you work with clients that they understand that difference, that the, the need for SEO long-term and the need for advertising short-term for testing? Sometimes, yes. More often, no. And that's usually a question that we have to really set expectations for right away. Because some people come to us and they're like, I need SEO. I need SEO. Everybody's talking about it. But they don't really know what exactly that is or what it's going to take to actually get them the results that they're looking for. And honestly, more often than not, that's not what they need. They need leads now. They need customers now. And so it's an explanation of saying, you know, SEO isn't as sexy as you think it is. It's slow. It takes time. This is really investing in next year's success so that your best month this year is your worst month next year. Mm. That's our goal. And if that's what you're trying to accomplish, then yes, SEO makes sense for you. If you need business now, here's what we're going to do either in tandem or right now and then move into SEO when the time is right. So PPC, in most cases, is going to be a viable strategy. Targeting on the right social media channels to get in front of ideal customer with B2B, obviously LinkedIn, a great place to play. Facebook can still be very good in some cases. It really just depends where your customers are hanging out. Okay. And one last area that I wanted to explore with you here, TJ, again, just looking at what your firm does is uh, this issue of like website aesthetic, Mm -hmm. right? So we, especially in industrial categories, we can often visit a company's website and say, boy, they haven't updated this like in a long time. Looks like it's from the (laughs) nineties. And it, you know, it it may even be from the early, the early aughts, but it it definitely has a dated feel to it. So just how, Aside from things that have to display well on mobile, right? 
how important is design making because i've seen design firms sometimes spend a lot of time and resource making it look something look incredibly impressive but it's such a niche industrial category it doesn't need to be all it's not we're not selling iphones you know we're not we're not competing with apple um so just curious how how you find that balance between like great design and it's good enough Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, your website is your virtual office, right? So you want to be proud to have someone walk in your door and look around the office and explore where they need to go next to find the solution, to find the decision maker, whatever the case may be. So design is important. You want to stand out. You want to clearly represent your brand in in authentic ways and have a clear message. But if you get caught up in the shiny objects, all the bells and whistles, multimedia, it can become distracting. You know, people don't know where they need to go. So there's a balance for sure. First and foremost, clear messaging. You need to speak into your ideal customer. It needs to be crystal clear when they land on your website, who you are, who you serve, and the problem that you can solve for them right now. And once you've done that, it's just a question of creating the path of least resistance to that next step whether that's a free consultation, you know, booking on a calendar or through a form, whatever the case may be, there shouldn't be too much standing in the way of someone going from understanding what you do to taking that next step. And that's something that we do see a lot of, you know, if you've got this landing page that's taken two minutes to scroll all the way to the bottom, in some cases that that is effective. In other cases, maybe you just needed three sections and a button. Wow. Yeah. And, and I think one of the challenges too, that people have, I've seen it, I've even seen it for myself is you do more than one thing. So, so there's always this, this sense. And I see this with clients where they want to tell people we do this and this and this and this and this and this, but to your point, that target visitor now says, what do they do exactly? They're a hairdresser, dentist, podiatrist. I mean, you know, and maybe all of that's true, but it doesn't make me feel that they're particularly great at any one of those things. And, uh, and so that's just interesting. So I love what you said about just getting that message right for your most likely best, the, the customer you want more of. Yeah. I mean, a golden rule is just one message per page in general. I mean, you want to make it clear if you do other things that that's there in the menu, maybe in a section where you list that stuff out. But if you on your homepage are talking in depth about every single service that you offer, it's not really all that helpful at the end of the day. You want to make it very easy for them to get to the page where they can get the information that they're looking for and then take that next step. Well, well, TJ, this has been very helpful uh, for our audience. And I really appreciate you you stopping by today for Business Growth on Purpose. Uh, If somebody listening wanted to know more about you, your work, your firm, where should they go? Yeah, it's been great being on here, Jose. For people that want to chat, I love meeting new people. I love helping business owners find their freedom when it comes to marketing. So if you do want to chat, let's just jump on a Zoom call. That's the easiest way for me these days. And you can find me at heightdigital.com slash TJ. And that's height, H-I-T-E? H-I-T-E digital.com slash TJ. I'm an easygoing guy. I believe in relationships over sales. So no obligation. Let's chat. Maybe I can help you solve some problems, get some clarity. And yeah, just good to meet you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, TJ, thank you so much for stopping by again. Really do appreciate it. 
Awesome. Appreciate it, Jose. Have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.